Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, sounds good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel. I am excited that you're here with us today. We've got a really cool show for people who are just either looking to add extra stream of revenue to their business or actually even get out of something and start a new business. And I'm excited to dive in with our guests that we have here today. But as you guys know, I host the show with somebody else. Now today, he although he is the bearded wonder from the United Kingdom, he is actually here with me. He rode his noble white steed all the way from the United Kingdom. Welcome to the studio, the one, the only, Mr. Dean Holland. Yes. Dean Holland in the US of A. How you doing, James? <laughs> you know what? Normally, I don't have to see you when I wake up in the morning. And uh, today I did. So is it okay if I just plead the fifth on answering that question? <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's just uh, move on past that one rather quick. <laughs> just for the sake of being polite. Yes. Yeah. Let's do it. Just to uh, not hurt my feelings as well. And, and right. maybe we should maybe should be clear on how you woke up and saw me. It wasn't like you rolled over and there I was. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> I appreciate you clearing that up. You were, you were sleeping in the guest room, but when right. I came yes. out. I just and... want to clear that up. You know, I don't want any mistakes there. Yeah, no, good <laughs> good call. <laughs> what what is impressive to me though is most people actually, you know, take a would take a plane from the United Kingdom. Oh yeah, uh, all, all the way here. But you decided to go this entirely different route and ride your noble white steed all the way here to Boise. Yes. What was that like? Yeah, quite the experience actually. It took me 16 weeks and the steed is just outside drying off with a bale of hay right now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, let's get to our guest. Spencer Lum, yeah. welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey, I'm good, but I, I am really, really curious. I mean, how do you get over the ocean? I, I really want to hear more about the logistics. Oh, the steed. Uh, we don't. We, hey, listen, first of all, Spencer, we don't ask sensible questions on this show. Okay? <laughs> that would be a huge mistake, right? What, it, yeah, it really yeah. It, I'm afraid it our, me that you uh, approach that with logic. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. I mean, come on. All right. Is this the kind of show this is really going to be, Spencer? Like you're going to ask serious questions to us? I know. Like I'm actually going <laughs> to think about things. And it's like, what the hell, right? Unbelievable. All right. So, uh, so Spencer, you, you actually um, said that you, you had to learn about business the hard way and you weren't fit for purpose to hold down a steady job. There, I feel like there's so much that we could talk about just related to those two sentences that we just kind of discussed before getting the show going. What do you mean that you were like, it was hard for you to hold down a steady job? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> my dad, he walks into my room. Like, this is the only place I've ever shared this, by the way. We're getting something <laughs> exclusive right out of the gate. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's like, this is the real goods. I don't know. I'm what? Like, I'm in high school. I must be 17, 18. And he says, you know, son, I have no doubt that you can do anything you want. You can achieve anything. But, you know, I really don't know if you're going to. 
<laughs> wow. this, is his, this is his idea of a motivational message. This is to get me pumped up and excited. And, you know, I'm like, thanks, Dad. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, you know, and, he, gave and, me a, he gave me a good story for the parties, though, right? So, I mean, it had value. And he goes on to say, he's like, it's like, I think, you know, you're capable and you can do things. But the problem is you really just can't get anything accomplished. You don't stick with anything. You don't get anything done. And, you know, this is one of those things. I mean, I'm a parent now, so maybe I see it a little, different, a little differently. <laughs> but, but, you know, I didn't take it all that well at the time. That's, that's shocking to me. That yeah, seems, it's hard to believe, uh, very, right? I know. Yeah, very and uplifting advice. Well. So anyway, I don't know. One day I'm sitting there and I've been through a lot of jobs that I have failed to ever manage to keep. The big one being law school. I went to law school. I went out to get a job as a lawyer and that didn't last. I just I had a job in HR at that same time. That didn't last. I, I just couldn't. Um, and I realized one day along the way, I'm like, oh, crap. My dad is right. <laughs> that moment of realizing I can't do anything. <laughs> and now that I'm a dad, I, I'm like, oh, this, this is what it's like. You you watch your kids and you see every little thing you do and they're great. But then you have these thoughts in your head about, hmm, I don't know how that's going to play out in the world. You know, hopefully my son's never going to listen to this, right? <laughs> anyway. We're sending him a copy. No, but he's, <laughs> awesome. he's a lot more capable than me. So I'm sure he won't run into my problems in life. <laughs> <laughs> But really, I mean, you know, you, you, that was it. Right. And he was, he was right. I couldn't stick with anything. It's like, I have no attention span. I had no attention span before there was Facebook around to distract me from having an attention span. I, right. I, couldn't do, I just couldn't sit still and stick with anything. So I'm like, well, okay, that didn't play too well with the bosses. So <laughs> I'm like, well, if I'm my own boss, I'll be okay with that. So it's going to work. There you go. As long as I don't need to like report to anybody that I don't have the ability to follow through, it'll be okay. That's basically <laughs> my thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> my was okay with it. So, what were you? What were you doing at this point in your life when you're like the whole law school thing didn't work out? And what was your first entrepreneurial gig? Like, what did that look like? So this goes back a while. You know, this is where I secretly want to be younger, but you know, what the hell? I'm just gonna, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this goes back to the dot com days, right? So that's my first entry. That's my first big thing. So this is a long time back. But I basically, so I told, you know, I had that job in HR, the job that I'm doing a really, really shitty job at. And basically, I'm hired by this guy to go and hire recruit people. And I hated it. And I couldn't really manage to get anything done. So I decided what I was going to do instead while I was sitting there for eight hours a day is I was going to build myself a website to go pick up girls. Keep in mind, I don't know why I had the deluded idea that if I just like put out a website with my face on it, <laughs> women are going to flock to me because really I should have realized the obvious that that's going to make them run away. <laughs> but somehow I just thought there are so many people on the internet that someone is going to be into me. I'd really so, like to see that picture. I wish we could. See I want to see this website. Right. I think we need to get the dig this up and have it in awesome. the show notes. I had these amazing effects because back then, you know, you everything was all effects. And I had this picture and my hair was like slick. I mean, deeply like, I mean, not just like kind of a little bit slick back or not like done up. I mean, it was like totally like it was like dripping with grease. Like a Lego man. It was just like snapped onto your head. Exactly. So that was me. And that was me building my website because I was too bored to do the work that I should have really been doing for that 
it turns out that back then, if you could design a website, see, this is like my first clue that I didn't actually pick up on about having a business, which is if you if you have an offer the market wants, making money is so much easier. And so I didn't know that I had an offer the market wanted, but or a skill that the market wanted. But back then, if you could design a website, people would just throw money your way. So wait, is this still the same website just with a picture of you? Money just started being thrown at you now. What what kind of website was this, Spencer? It was what it was was a bunch of people saying, "Hey, I need a website too." And I'm like, "You know what? I can oh, design okay. one. I can put. I can take a picture of you with your hair looking slick back, so that you can get business." He had like a three part process. He's like, "Come into the studio." He like dumped like a bucket of like hair gel on their head, slicked their hair back, took a picture, and put it up on their website. Right. And he's just like cranking through these, like manufacturing these websites like that. I even had packages. You could pick different hair products depending on who you wanted to be. You could go hair gel, you could go with the mousse, you could go with like the styling clay. What it, whatever it is. I don't even know what that is, but I swear I've seen it in my <laughs> in my wife's like kit. Anyway, that's amazing. Yes, yes, exactly. So actually, and you know, it's not that far from the truth. I mean, basically, excluding like the hair gel part, but basically that's what I had. I mean, that's how I got my business. That was my first business. And so it just starts pouring in. So you're doing this on the side while you're in your HR job. Yes, I'm doing this while on the side while I'm in my HR job. So I kindly reward my friend who was actually he, he I mean, honestly, I had no qualifications for this job in the first place. I just needed something to kind of keep me busy. <laughs> and so right. I so, you know, I quit. Before we get to the quitting, I have one uh, what I think is a very important question to understand. When you went into the HR job, did you also have your hair slick like that? Or was that more of your superhero look that you used on the side? Well, no, of course, that's all my superhero look that I use. You can't like okay. walk into your day job with your superhero look. <laughs> I, you never I do that. I apologize for what appears to be a very ignorant question, but I just really wanted to know. I think that's probably the most important question you've ever asked in the history of this show, James. <laughs> I think it might be. It's a really important detail. Well, I still think I still have some of those buckets of hair gel. I could go over there and I could show you how it's done. So... I don't think that's necessary. We don't need to go quite that far. Okay, so you quit the job, and now what? Okay, so I quit the job. I start my... So next thing I know, I've got a brand agency. Like, I like to say that because it makes it sound big and important. But, you know, basically, <laughs> yeah, it starts off, it's a design firm, and then, you know, everyone, the big buzzword at the time is branding. So I decide, okay, let me try using that. And that works even better than designing websites. So, and I just start picking up client after client after client. I mean, literally, I think kind of the first... Like I started maybe as half a year in, so whatever. And so the first full year, I think we came in at like just under half a million, like 475 in profit. And, you know, this is amazing given that I've like have no idea what the hell I'm doing. And this is the first job that I've ever really had. Right. And so it would be one thing if you kind of like, oh, I had a method and I knew what I was doing and blah, blah, blah. But I didn't. I just kind of came in and people threw money at me and I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to take it. It's like a little cash boot flying around. Yeah. It's not a bad situation. But you know, I'm I'm starting to get to figure out, I'm getting okay with the branding part. (laughs) I'm starting to figure out, okay, this is what I do. These are the types of hair gels I need to get give people. And uh, this is the look they need. And that's the first business that I had. And I mean, it sounds like a big useless sort of venture, <laughs> at least probably the way I just- I don't know. So far, I'm pretty impressed. Yeah. Like all you're doing is putting hair gel on people, taking pictures, putting them on my website, and you made almost 500 grand. I'm okay with right. that. I'm kind of thinking about right? going into that business now. 
Yeah, I'm shutting everything else down. I'm going to follow Spencer. <laughs> yes. I have not, you know, I'm going to tell you, I have not seen a lot of, I haven't seen this offer out there that much. So I think there still might be an opportunity for it. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a, it's a complete blue ocean. Yeah. This absolute <laughs> blue ocean. Love it. It's like way far blue ocean where you're going to find like white steeds and everything, drowning in the water and everything else. <laughs> whoa, so, whoa, man. This is whoa, my time. Easy. Yeah, easy. No, no, no. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Which, Gee, I'm and what sorry. all that that's nonsense that's about that's drowning that's in the water is. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. But eventually you did develop a framework and a method yes. for helping people figure things out. Can you talk a little bit about that framework? Like I said, the one thing I got out of that business is that if you if you walk in with something that the market needs, people, they will pay, right? They will hire you. And so, yeah. I, I mean, you know, right now, I, I really just, I still boil it down to three basic things, right? I'm always looking for, I'm looking for the offer. I'm looking for finding the right message and I'm looking for the audience. And that's always where I start. And, you know, we always hear about like having that offer to market match and everything. But most people, like you just said it, right? Most people walk into a red ocean and all you got to do is turn it into like, I don't know where I heard this, but like purple, <laughs> I'm not even going for the blue ocean, right? I just want, I just want the people I work with to find the purple ocean. But I think the big lesson I got out of that, having that whole experience with my design firm, which I didn't, it took me, I mean, you know, I had the design firm, finally, .com market goes belly up and I decided, okay, let's go try something else. But the big message I got out of that, and probably it took me about five years before I digested it, was exactly that. If people don't want what you sell, which is what most people put out there, then no one buys. And it gets really, really hard to do anything, no matter how good your social media, no matter what you post, no matter what you blast people and interrupt their day with whatever your stuff is, nothing happens. And so I'm always looking for, you know, those, I mean, they're kind of like two layers of things, right? I'm looking for, okay, strategically, I'm looking for the offer, the match, or the offer, the message in the audience. And then, you know, let's say it, psychologically, my goal is to brainwash the hell out of people with lots of love. Brainwash them with love. I haven't heard that. Before. Well, you know, like I said, you guys are special because this is like the, the behind the scenes version of me that you got on your show here. But just out of interest. Yeah, this is like, that's, that's exactly right. Spencer, was uh, this the headline on the website that still had you on with the slick back hair? It's like, you know, let me tell you, I got nailed once because I was playing with that line. And I actually, I'll be honest, it was not the right line for my audience. And, you know, it's one of those things like when I'm talking to someone and you're at a dinner party and you say it that way, they're okay with that because you can keep talking about what you mean and you don't, and once people get it, they don't think you're a total jackass. But it turns out if you tell people, hey, I'm going to show you how to brainwash your audience, most people aren't that excited with that message and they're not thinking that's right. what they want to do. Unbelievable. It, you think hard, that would right? be uh, widely accepted? Hard to imagine. <laughs> And that's why, you know, I, I mean, the, the with love part is that's the new special edition here, too. But, oh, I like it. You've but, extended you know, it now. This yeah, I, I, I just right here on this show, I just expanded the brand. In all fairness, so it's in parentheses. Yeah, well, you want to brainwash your audience, parentheses with Well, love. you're going to get more conversions if you have the parentheses is my theory. So. Right. He's split tested yeah. it with and without the parentheses. <laughs> without, he gets, uh, you know, eggs thrown at his house. Yeah. You know, I've tried, it with like a, I've tried it with a hyphen. I've tried it with the parentheses. Tried it without. Definitely parentheses. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you creating these offers? Because I agree with you that the offer if it's appealing to people and what they already want, it's a million times easier to sell 
And I think generally speaking, everybody has all these ideas like, oh man, I've got this great idea. But if the great idea doesn't match up with what people want, then it falls flat on its face. So how are you creating offers that really give people what they want and help get the sales velocity? Now that is a question, James, right there. Yeah. I like to start by looking at symptoms. So that's my favorite place to go. The reason I like to start there isn't because I think you have to start there, but I like to look at symptoms for a couple of reasons. I mean, first, because we know that most audiences don't really know what their problem is, right? And so, you know, if they don't know the problem, obviously they are not going to buy whatever solution you have. But the other reason I like to look at symptoms, and I'll talk more about what I mean by symptoms in my world, at least. Uh, The other reason I like to look at symptoms is because I think the biggest danger to most business owners is a lack of specificity and the inability to kind of get in people's heads. And that's what I, I mean, honestly, that's what I, that's my big struggle all the time, right? I'm always in my own head. I'm always thinking about my own world. I always come up with stupid ways to say things and say, let's see what happens if I tell try out using the word brainwash. When, you know, part of me knows, like, that's a really stupid idea, Spencer. Right. (laughs) I don't even know that if I saw it, I would react to that. But it's like, you just get this idea one day saying, oh, that'd be really fun. And let's see what happens. And then you try it and, um, you know, it performs miserably and you go, yeah, duh. The reason I like symptoms is because you really, you, the two things is that you cannot identify a symptom with an audience and do it right without being specific, right? I mean, you have to sit around and say, okay, what is it they're suffering from at a level that is specifically tied to whatever your solution is? So give us an example of a symptom that you feel is specific and sort of illustrates this. Okay, let's say, I don't know why I'm about to use page ranking because I I, I so suck at SEO, but but anyway, um, that is not my area of specialties. But like, let's say, you know, you have a bad page rank, right? I mean, if you sit around and you say to someone, okay, like, do you get up and you cry about your page ranking or something like that, right? I mean, that's a very specific thing. That's a very specific byproduct of some a problem that someone has, right? And so that's an example of a symptom. If you are suffering from a 22 or a low conversion rate, I mean, or whatever, I mean, those are examples of symptoms because those are very specific problems tied to something that's being done wrong in the world, even if you don't know what's being done wrong. But if you say to someone like, are you having a hard time getting people's attention? Well, that's not a symptom. That's just a general problem that people have. And it's not tied to any, I mean, there are, you know, dozens of reasons. And so, you know, it's kind of like if you have a cold, right? I mean, you you have a runny nose, that's a symptom. If you have a cold and you're not feeling great, that's not a symptom. And so you can't sit around and think about a symptom that your audience is suffering from without trying to really get into their head and understand their world. Otherwise, it's not going to be a symptom. And so it forces you to do two things. It forces you to get specific and really kind of dig in. And it also forces you to figure out what their real problem is. Because I think one of the things that I see a lot of people at work with, like, you know, what what happens? They're thinking about like, okay, let's say they're going to use a benefit headline, for example, right? They said, okay, let me talk about my, my benefit. What they're going to be thinking, what they do is they'll think, let me find like the biggest, punchiest benefit that I offer. And it'll be usually something really general. You explode your audience growth, skyrocket, you know, whatever, something like that. But the thing is, it is going to get you a billion times more attention if you sit around and talk about one very narrow, small thing that is exactly what someone is dealing with at that moment. Like, 
let's say if someone is suffering from low conversion rates and they're running a bunch of whatever ads or something like that i mean if they see something that is exact you know that's that specific that's going to get their attention right because that's the conversation in the head and if you sit around and people what people think is like when you're running the business you think this thing this i'm going to talk about the most amazing thing i do because that's what's going to get people's attention but that's not what's going to get people's attention what's going to get people's attention is the thing that is most specific to what your audience is dealing with. It might be a big thing. It might be a small thing, but whatever it is, it has to be exactly on point, right? And so by looking at symptoms, well, what happens? First, you get specific. And second, you have to go and hit what actually matters to your, audi their, your audience in their world, not yours, because that's what it is to look at symptoms. And the great thing about it is then you just sit around and you flip around all of your symptoms, right? Like, so you sit around and, well, you look at every really detailed problem that people have, which actually gives you tons of fodder for all of your content that you create, because now you've got these great, you've got like, I mean, these make for the easiest hooks in the world. You don't even have to be clever. You don't have to be like writerly. You're just talking about the big thing that people are thinking about. Like I'm talking about the big thing, like my hair is not greasy and <laughs> exactly. back, and that's a big problem. Right. Well, my seed is still wet from the swim over here. Like, would you like to have slick back <laughs> hair right. like a Lego guy? Right? Right. I, yes, I of mean, course. I'm not going to respond to that. <laughs> well, I know James is at least going to be your first customer, so. Yeah. Easily. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I had a long list of people that, uh, I was a photographer too among my many, many jobs. And so, you know, I've got a long list of people whose headshots I've done do in fact have that slick back hair look. So. <laughs> it's like your stick. My legacy shot. lives on. That's all I'm going to say. Like some people do family photos. Some people do headshots. Spencer does slick back hair. Yes. Yeah, that's right. right. That's the niche, the micro niche that he operates. Also, I'm going to tell you, it works especially well when you have large families where they all have the slick back hair. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see that family. <laughs> I would too. So you were saying we're now we're going to flip the symptoms around. Can you illustrate that a little bit? You sit around and you say you got some solution for increasing someone's poor, low, bad, like, I don't know. I mean, 22% conversion rates aren't necessarily a bad thing. It depends what you're talking about, right? <laughs> but whatever. I mean, let's say someone's getting to uh, like what 22% uh, and that's bad in their world for whatever they want. Well, the great thing is now you can take this and you can, uh, you know, what I'll usually do is I'll start wrapping up content around this and testing it and seeing how people respond to these symptoms. And so obviously, you know, the symptoms, you're pulling this from your real audience and talking with people or researching it or whatever, however you gather it, right? But you're basically on something in the real world. So it's not your imaginary symptoms that you think your audience should have. And then I'll go and I'll start to test it and I'll start to start to see what sticks. And so from there, I'll evolve that into an offer to kind of see what the audience is reacting to. And so usually, I mean, my view of social media is kind of like a test bed to see kind of what pain points actually stick and what, what things people will sign up for and what things people will take action on versus what things are kind of the things that like uh, Gary Bensavenga put it this way once. Uh, he's got his whole like persuasion equation and, you know, I don't want to reveal the whole thing out of respect to him. And I'm not, so I don't want to divulge his information. But I will say that kind of like the first part of his formula was he said, you have to have an urgent problem, right? You always have to address an urgent problem. And, you know, it sounds like such a small thing to me. Like the first time I heard it, I think it just kind of blew by me. And I really didn't take it that seriously. I'm like, yeah, everyone knows you got to solve a problem. But, you know, the more I've done this, the more I see it's kind of like, it's a really big thing to say I have to solve a problem than to say I have to solve an urgent 
problem. And so if you figure out symptoms, then you can figure out something to test in your marketplace to see what thing is actually an urgent problem. And then you can start to build an offer around it. And then you can test that offer. And then you can see if people respond to that offer. And then you can go through the parts about where you actually eventually wind up creating a product. I guess what we're saying here, just to emphasize, like, is to not do how f- most people do things and not just come up with your own idea for a product and a hook and just throw it out there because you think that's what the market wants. What you're really emphasizing is the importance of understanding the market, the problems, the pains before you even begin creating anything. Am I right? Yeah. And, and you know, I'll push it even further and say, like, you, you want to get absolutely, at least in my mind, you want to get absolutely granular with those pains. Taking it one level further, you've got to look at the symptoms on multiple levels. Like you have to sit there because there are, I mean, there are a bunch of different forms of pain, right? I mean, there's going to be what I call practical pain, which is just like, what is your basic practical problem you're solving? Like trying to up my conversion rates. There's kind of, you can go one level further with practical pain. You can call it like, let's just say we go one level deeper, but it's still a type of practical pain. I'm not getting enough money off of that, right? Then you start to get into emotional pains. And then there are all sorts of emotional pains that you can talk about, right? There's kind of, at the top level, there's just kind of the one that everyone will talk about, let's say the stress and anxiety about not having enough conversions, not having enough cash flow, not getting your job to work. But then you start to get into kind of, I think, the deeper, more personal pains, which are things like, you know, the more angsty things about like feeling insecure and feeling like a failure in front of your friends while they're talking behind your back because you're not making it right or going to a party and feeling embarrassed to say what you do because you know that you're not real, et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of I said, purple ocean. I feel like everyone you're looking for, like I describe it as a needle in a needle stack. I think that's really the hard part about it is like, well, every pain sounds basically the same because it's not, the question isn't like, is there a better or worse pain? That's just the question is, is there a better or worse match for your particular audience? And so what I'll do is usually, okay, you find that symptom to find, and then you test it and you find the basic problem. But I think the thing that helps guide you to the purple ocean is going to be kind of that one level deeper stuff where you're trying to see why people are really doing it. And then you start to bake into your offer a very specific way where you solve it the way people want to point towards the result they really want, if that makes sense. I mean, because everyone's got like some hang up about why they won't buy a product and how they want it done. And it's going to be different with every single market. And if you can't figure out that thing that is going to show people that it's exactly for them, like the way they want it for the type of person they are, then they're still not going to buy. And so the twist I'm always looking for is I'm always looking for once you've got that offer established, what you then do is you take all this thought and you take all this work you've done to figure out kind of these deeper level pains. And those become the things I start to try to bake into like my secret sauce or device or people call it mechanisms or whatever. But those become the things I use to kind of guide the mechanisms so that whatever like that special way of doing it is because you always want to, you know, I guarantee you whatever problem you solve, someone else is going to be solving the same thing. But your special way of doing it is the one that bakes in kind of your audience's pain points and behaviors and et cetera, et cetera, right? And so, I mean, we see this in like, let's say fitness all the time. Like if some people are going to want to go and have a diet where they're still eating tasty foods that are really fatty. Other people, they don't. That's not their thing, right? But everyone's got a thing. And so I'm always trying to find, okay, you find the offer, you find the need, and then you find that little twist that's based on kind of your audience's personality type to then move towards bluer waters. Can you give us an example of what like that twist would look like? Well, yeah, let me actually just continue on like the uh, the tasty foods, right? 
I mean, so let's say the you're, you've got a fitness product. And I saw one that I thought I saw this angle that I thought was really cool. And they were saying like it, spicy foods. It's like um, it's a diet nutrition product for losing weight. Right. And so it's lose weight through spicy foods. And, and you know, I love that particular angle because there's the clear implication there that basically if you just have kind of the right mix of spices and everything else, that you're going to be able to go and live exactly the way you want, right? No impact to your lifestyle, which means you can still sit around and not hit the gym. It means that maybe you don't need an app to go track your calories, all that type of stuff. And so you're looking at kind of all these issues that people like objections, issues, hangups people have. And by solving it and by picking that twist for spicy foods, you're finding a path that avoids all of those, right? What that's going to mean, of course, is it removes all the objections in people's heads about why they're not going on a diet. And so if I'm dealing with an audience where I know that people are kind of averse to diets and they don't sit around and one of the big issues is, let's say, maybe the combination of they want to keep eating foods, but maybe they've had self-control problems in the past because they know that they can't keep it up and after a while it fails and they, and et cetera, et cetera then something like spicy foods is going to be a device that allows me to solve that problem of, let's say, self-control or whatever else is the kind of whatever their objections are. It's going to be something that lets me solve those problems without taking away or kind of and, and bypassing what's hasn't worked for them in the past. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're talking about really finding that unique mechanism whereby if somebody's tried to lose weight before and they've tried a particular diet and it didn't work for them, you're saying we don't want to present the same type of diet because then they're just going to dismiss it immediately as something that doesn't work, right? Yes, absolutely. I think the answer for that, it lies in that one level, how people live combined with what they really want. And so even though as you know, I started this saying, okay, you want that offer to market match. I mean, a big part of what makes an offer match a market is how you do it. And so, yeah, you want that mechanism that is going to separate you and that mechanism that's also going to kind of solve the problem in the way people want. But I'm a big believer that that all comes from going back to the basics and looking at your audience and just getting to know them better. And what I usually see, and the reason I'm such an advocate of this, is because what I usually see is people kind of start trying out different tactics. Like when something doesn't work, they think that like sometimes I see people get to the point where they're like, okay, I've got an, they've got actually they've got a pretty good offer. They've got something their market needs. And what they don't do is they don't take that offer and start playing with different ways of executing that offer and different mechanisms and different devices. And they don't start going a level further in their talks. Like, well, let's say they're, you know, they're having a talk and they're, and they're doing an ask campaign or whatever. I mean, when they're learning about their audience, they don't go that level deeper to figure out how they really want things done. And they don't go that level deeper to figure out like what their world looks like really looks like inside their head. And so they actually wind up either putting out this really bland offer or they try that and they actually abandon it and try something like a totally different approach altogether. Like, oh my gosh, my real problem is I don't have enough fans on Facebook. So I'm going to work on that for the next six months. And what they really need to do is they just need to go and make sure the offer at every level matches their audience. It's all about like, to me, at least in some ways, yes, it's more complicated because it's kind of hard to dig that deep and get that information out. Like you get one really good objection from an audience if it's not like the big obvious thing and that stuff can be gold, but it's really hard to put faith in that type of thing. 
and to put faith in that idea. So it's so much easier to think it's just about like these numbers and these metrics and these big things. And those things, I'm not saying like, I, you know, every tactics exist because you have to execute at some point. So it's like, I'm not really against the idea that you have to know certain tactics and you have to learn certain things. But I think people jump ship way too early. And what they need to do is go back to those basics, like offer, message, audience, right? And they need to go deeper into each one first and work through that. Right. I love the copy that you have here for your eight-day course, a slightly subversive but more responsible way to make followers love you and buy. Used by Martin Luther King, Steve Jobs. In fact, it works so well a conservative Supreme Court justice tried to bar it. Ooh. Is this the type of stuff that we're going to get in this eight-day course? Yes, this is the type of stuff you're going to get in the eight-day course. Oh, it's reading that you I'm prepared, all over this. In all fairness, it sounds a little bit better than slick back hair, but not by much. I take that personally. <laughs> I'm really proud of slick back hair. They're both your offer, okay. so you can take it however you want to. <laughs> When I was working on that, right, I, I mean, and I went through tons of iterations and et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. You know, you sit around, and you try to use the word brainwash. Well, that that's not it's not too hard to figure it out. That's going to be a fail. I thought maybe it would kind of be this bold, humorous, assertive sort of thing. But really, like I said, it just kind of pushed people away. So, OK, fine. Bad idea. So I put this out there and I mean, I wanted to toe that line because honestly, I mean, psychology to me is a huge part of as far as the influence side of things okay once you got your offer your message and your audience at some level you're going to have to sit around and figure out how to actually influence them right and get them to take action and all that and that's going to be all on the psychology side and so you know i wanted to something to hit that and so like i put out the subversive part for exactly i needed something a little bit more alluring and that's where the subversive part comes in right so a subversive but invariably that would get people to say but i don't want to be the type of person who is tricking people hence the next part but ethical way right but this is where kind of i had to match this to my audience because who am i looking for well one thing i'll say is like as far as me i tend to skew liberal i mean i don't make politics a big part of my my marketing or anything like that but i know i tend to skew liberal and so as because of that in general that's usually who i appeal to more but what I know is kind of there are going to be two. Well, I mean, there are more than two, but let's just divide the audience up like really broadly into two groups. Well, you're going to have people who do a business for impact and you're going to have to have people who do a business to get money. And, you know, sometimes I'll use that in a negative way. But in this example, I'm not using it that way. Like, I don't mean to make it sound like one is more important than the other. It's just people come into it with different intentions, different needs, different mindsets. Right. And so it's like, well, I'm thinking, well, I want the people who want impact. <laughs> But the thing is, the people who want impact don't want to be sneaky, subversive or brainwash people. Right. And so if you say it to someone who is like just loves the mechanics of marketing and thinks it's really fun kind of doing like, you know, copywriting tricks and how do you open loops and blah, blah, blah. They might sit around and say subversive. Yes. Awesome. But I know that for my audience, I need to hint at something suggesting that this is a little bit psychological without pushing that line too far to go into, well, this is actually going to be like sneaky and manipulative. Hence the ethical nine out of 10 moms would approve. But if you also kind of look at it, well, who did I pick as examples? I mean, I could have picked a bunch of people who have used kind of these influence strategies, right? I mean, because influence tends to be influence and there are tons of people, but that's exactly why I picked like MLK, Steve Jobs, and specifically like with the Supreme Court justice who tried to bar it. I mean, he happened to be a super, it really doesn't matter that he was conservative, but he just happened to be 
conservative. And so if a Supreme Court justice who is conservative tries to push back against some strategy, that implies, of course, that if you're liberal, that it's probably going to be more appealing to you. This is what I mean, though, when I say, well, you have to kind of think about what your audience, how your audience wants the world to be and who they are. And you have to make sure that every kind of word you choose and every little bit of what you do is something that kind of creates that match between what it is that you do for people and how it is that they want it done. And so when I was like writing this, every single word was a fight. And my original versions sucked because I was saying just what I thought and what I felt like doing. And I kept looking at it and I'm like, this is really crappy. And so, you know, you keep reworking it because you're like, this is really crappy. So let's fix it. And this is an example of what I mean about like, well, you're trying to get into people's heads. And so you really have to understand what people think and every word you spit out, every part like your from your mechanism and your offer to how you create your copy, it has to align with who your audience is. And so like people who are kind of who want impact and who want to change the world, but let's say, but who are maybe like a little bit like semi-intellectual or whatever, this fascinates them and this gets them interested and this gets them to click. And you put together uh, a special offer for the Just a Tips listeners to uh, to learn this, did you not? Oh, yes, absolutely. That's, uh, eight, yeah. you know, I put together a special offer, a special course exactly for your audience on this whole topic about how you find that audience, how you match things and how you just do influence in general. And so... That's awesome. Yeah. So let's give everybody that URL. I think it's goextrabold.com forward slash just the tips. And you can get this eight day course from Spencer on figuring out how to influence people and really make sure that the offer that you're putting together matches the people that you're serving. Dean, do you have anything uh, anything that you'd like to share before we wrap today up? Yeah, well, just quick. I, I think the big thing for me, and this has been really topical, so thank you for uh, like really timely in, in one of our businesses. So thank you for sharing it, Spencer. It's just the importance of making sure that you understand your market, understand their pains, their challenges, where they're at right now and tailoring what you do to speak to that, to provide the solution. So really important stuff. Thank you for sharing, Spencer. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. So everybody listening, if you want to uh, get your hands on the free eight-day course, which will show you a slightly subversive, but more responsible way to make your followers love you and buy, go to goextrabold.com forward slash just the tips. And Spencer, thanks so much for being on the show today, man. We really appreciate having you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipsshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to go from being a hustling entrepreneur to an effective CEO, capable of running your company without being stuck in the day-to-day, Visit me for free training and resources at jamespfreel.com. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.